mediated conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes now to 9 the time. Good morning. Last week, news emerged that around 300 councillors in KwaZulu-Natal could not read or write. The information, we were told, came from a survey conducted by the Cooperative Governance Department in KwaZulu-Natal. It suggested of the roughly 2,000 councillors in KZN, 300 could not properly understand the information that was being presented to them. Then, the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Tembi and Kalameng, said that one of the reasons services and municipalities were so bad was because so many councillors were illiterate. There have been conversations before about the skills deficit in our councils and among our councillors. There's also some evidence, as I understand it, that I think it's 59% of councillors only have a matric or lower qualification. But what is the true story really? Is what was reported last week 100% accurate? What's really happening? And is what, what impact is all of this happen, having on service delivery? First this morning, you'll hear from the president of the South African Local Government Association, Be- Be- Councillor Becky Stofile. Then from KwaZulu-Natal, the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs there, their spokesperson is Spaniso Mgadi. And finally, nice to have a guest in the studio, if I may just say, uh, Professor Isaac Kambula is the Associate Professor of Political Economy at the Witt School of Governance. We'll ask him what all of this does to service delivery and how do we resolve it. We start then with the President of the South African Local Government Association, Becky Stofila. Mr. Stofila, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning to you and good morning to your listeners. Thank you for having us. Uh, what's the real story? Is it true that 300 councillors in KwaZulu-Natal cannot read or write? The, 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 it's what is, it was surveyed by the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. But there are a few uh, underlying issues that we need to, to make in these uh, discussions. One is that <clears throat> nobody knows the, the municipal lingo. Um, and how the municipality operate, and you can see this uh, and this uh, survey conducted 2021-2022 immediately after elections, and uh, immediately after elections, when Salga as an organisation uh, has requested to different parties to at least elect individuals that can be able to be trainable and be able to deal with the uh, municipal documents. As you know, that in, in local government, we are dealing with business uh, the language and we are deal, dealing with legal uh, language. And, and then to me, what is astonishing out of what is said in the public is that it says the council of 300 plus of them cannot read and write. But the question that was posed to these uh, councillors were in English and was posted to their budgets, various budgets that they have, could be cell phone and whatever, mm. And how did they read that? And how did they reply to that? I think to me, it's, it's, it's a little bit of lack of uh, sensationalization of this matter because uh, if a person has been asked a question and he has answered, you must then dig deeper in terms of what is it that he wants to be trained on? Mm-hmm. I mean, for you, for instance, for you, for you to be an, 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 a news person, you are trained in terms of what is the lingo and language that is used and yeah. you are given different skills so that you are able to interact and interface with us as, as members of public. Mm. But to, to me, I, I think it's a little bit unfortunate. What I understood is that knowing the local government, how complex it is, councillors they need as they go to council must be empowered how to read council documents. Because it's not just a document. It's not just like a writing a letter. It's about understanding what is the lingo 
And what is the language used? And how do you interpret so that you don't commit mistakes in interpreting and implementing what is written to you? So that is what you understood out of this process. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Just to be clear then, it is probably not true from what you say that 300 councillors in KwaZulu-Natal cannot read or write, otherwise they couldn't have answered the questions. The, 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 the question is, you, you sent me into my gadget yeah. in English. And it wasn't by voice? It wasn't by voice note? It was in text? No, yeah. Okay. No. All you right. sent it to me by English. And then I answered that question. What does that mean? Hmm. I think to me that is why I'm saying what you could have probed or uh, compel us to probe more is that what you understand of not you can't read, you can't write. Sure. What okay. is the meaning of that? Yet you answered my question that I've posted to you. All right. Is there any way of knowing what the real picture is in terms of the skills, or let me put this differently, is there any way of knowing what the real picture is in trying to assess whether counsellors can actually deal with the information that they need to deal with to be an effective counsellor? And I suppose the question then becomes, do we have a big skills deficit among our counsellors across the country and in KZN? For instance, the association, I'll speak on behalf of the association. The association since time in memorial up to today, yesterday, I mean, on Friday, I was launching an educational dialogue. What we have recognized and registered is that over 43,000, over 43,000 counselors has been taken through training because why over 43,000 Salga as an association and various partners in the UC, I mean, um, the, the, the local government sitters and many other institutions. It's because we understood that training is continuous. There are new developments that requires counselors to be on board with. For instance, a term that comes to an end on 2021, that came to an end in 2021, we knew that counselors that in that term could not use gadgets. And they therefore, Remember that time as it was coming to an end, councillors had to be exposed to usage of gadget because of COVID-19. Mm. And council could not be convened under one roof. Now it becomes difficult for council seated at home using a gadget, communicating and taking a decision that impact on the lives of the people. And that is why we then said it is important for us to train them, expose them in all sorts of skills because... It is important that as they take decisions, they are quite aware of the implications of the decisions that they are taking. Okay. So um, with what the minister said, Tembi and Karimeng last week, the COGTA minister, um, is the main, never mind the sort of specific things about illiteracy, which you, you and I have spoken about, but is the main point of what she says correct? Is there a link between the qualifications of councillors and the outcomes that we get in councils. And if people don't have many qualifications, is that one of the reasons that we have such poor service delivery in so many councils? I think to me, you must, you must flip that question around or flip it over. If that is the case, then it then means there is a big problem of capacity, skills, qualification of everyone because why would provincial and national government to and and audit outcome, they don't get a good audit report. I think to me it is important for us to understand what is the problem and how do we then deal with the problem 
So as we deal with the problem, with an intention to address the problem. Otherwise, there, there, there are reasons, uh, my, my, my brother. For you, when you, are, when you are sick, you go to a doctor. Doctor doesn't just prescribe what type of medicine that it must be given to you. It examines you mm. so that you can understand the difficulties and the health conditions that you are facing so that it doesn't prescribe the wrong medication. So that is why as, as an association over a period of time, we have tried to conduct and understand what is happening in the sector and how do we then make sure that the sector responds to challenges. We came out to various, various permutations. One of the permutations, remember local government is highly politicized. It has various interests. I mean, today I'm happy that listening to president after many years saying there is a problem of 30% gang that capturing that municipality. That has a, a very negative impact to municipal performance, including threats that are directed to councillors. So that in decisions that they're taking, I mean, you know, in municipalities like in Clerkstorp, uh, you know, and other municipalities in, in case that then, and that is why it was came out clear on the Auditor General when the team of Auditor General was threatened and in Yetekwini. Sure. It, it tells you that the environment the local government practitioners are operating in is so toxicated and it requires a different method and different approach. Okay, let me put it to you another way, because there are lots of different ways to look at this question. Do you think that if councillors had higher qualifications or better qualifications than they do now, we would get better outcomes? Uh, you, you, qualification goes with the environment, my brother. That is the issue that mm. I'm trying to, to put it to you. You can have a highly qualified individual, but operating in a toxic environment. Sure. What you are going to get as a result is the same or worse. They, they, you need to, when you approach this matter, to have a multi-pronged approach to it. One is the ability of individuals to be given a skill and capacity, but also not moving away from the provisions of the Constitution, that it requires a person and any person to elect and to be elected. Now, what do we do as an organization, SALCA, for instance, knowing the challenges, and that's what we are asking to our national and provincial government, as we put more energy on skill, capacity, qualification, and whatever, whatever that we want to call it, let's put more energy on counselors that are killed. For instance, in KwaZulu-Natal that we are talking about today, only two months ago, over 17 counselors were killed. Yeah. One of them was shot in the church. Because of the type of decisions that individuals are expected to take. Now, if that individual doesn't take a decision that is in line with the gang outside there, that as a state we're not focusing at, that counselor's life is going to be put at jeopardy. I mean, I wish, this is only wish, I wish what is happening in local government can happen to other spheres. So that when you sit in council, because the council is an open space of individuals, any word that you utter in council disagreeing with this or mm. that tender, to be, uh, to be very brutal anyway, that councillor or that mayor is a target tomorrow. Is that a sure. qualification? Yeah.
Becky Stofile, thank you very much indeed. The president of the South African Local Government Association really painting a difficult picture of what the situation is. Quarter to nine the time, you with SFM, your mediated conversation continues around the educational qualifications of councillors. Sponiso Mgadi is the spokesperson for the Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Department in KwaZulu Natal. Sponiso, good morning. Uh, good morning, Stephen, and your uh, listeners as well. Do you agree with the interpretation football put forward? Do you agree with the interpretation put forward there by Selga, by Abeki Sofile, as to what the real picture is with regard to the qualifications of councillors in KZN? It's not that 300 of your councillors are illiterate. They were all able to answer the questions. Yeah, no, um, I will agree with, with, the, with the president because... Um, I, do, I, I think uh, there was a, a misrepresentation of facts on that media report that um, 300 councillors can't read and write. I think it was the issue of the post-metric qualifications, mm-hmm. of which I believe that if you don't have a post-metric qualification, it does not necessarily mean that you can't read and write. Okay. Um, do you believe that KwaZulu-Natal's councillors are different to the councillors anywhere else? Are we likely to find that the qualifications for councillors in KZN is probably the same as qualifications for councillors in the Free State or Northwest or Gauteng? Well, maybe it may not be uh, necessarily easy if we haven't done the exact comparison from one province to another. Uh, but I think the the audit was based on like profiling the all the councillors and then see if there is a need for any capacitation and uh, other training that is required. So maybe I wouldn't be in a better position because I, we haven't done the comparison as the province pro, from province to another province. Sure, but there's no reason to think KZN is any different. <laughs> I mean, the people in KwaZulu Natal are no different <laughs> to the people anywhere else. Um, I suppose. Um, when you look at this entire issue. Do you believe there is a skills deficit, a shortage of skills in KwaZulu-Natal in local government? Where I'm trying to get to is if the councillors had better qualifications, would it make a difference? Or do you think the problems that uh, Becky Stofila outlined are just the things that we need to deal with first? Yeah, I think the president they highlighted most of uh, the important things because uh, see, the local government is a, another sphere of government and there is a lingo. Uh, that is used there in the council. You have to understand the uh, uh, the public finance management act and other acts that need to be followed. So in, in in some cases or in most cases, you find that people that are councillors maybe they come from a different world mm-hmm. in terms of their profession. Some they've not even worked before. So obviously there will be some uh, training that will be required in terms of then being able to you know, execute uh, the, uh, the mandate in the council to follow the procedure and then what is required. Also being able to differentiate between being a councillor and also being a public representative. I, I believe that uh, surely there will be uh, a training, in, not necessarily for only for councillors, but for anyone. If join mm-hmm. the new workplace, obviously you need some training to familiarize yourself with the procedure and processes that must be followed to be able to execute your job in line with the legislation and with the constitution of South Africa. Ms. Benisa Mgadi, thank you. The spokesperson for the Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Department in KwaZulu-Natal. In a moment, Professor Isaac Kambule from the Witt School of Governance on this issue around qualifications and counsellors. 12 minutes to 9. 
Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Eight minutes to nine, continue your mediated conversation around the qualifications of local councillors. Professor Isaac Kambul is an Associate Professor of Political Economy at the Witt School of Governance. And he's actually in the studio with me. Professor, good morning. Thanks for coming in. Oh, good morning, Stephen, and thank you for the invite. Um, when you listen to uh, Becky Stofile there a few moments ago, and he sort of outlines the problems that local government faces, but qualifications is not something we should ignore, right? No, definitely. I mean, uh, the issue of qualifications is very important. I mean, again, we can also have a look at it in two ways. Uh, we recently adopted the professionalization framework for the local government sphere, of which again says that there is an understanding that if you have um, the administrators with a higher education qualification, then it is likely the case that they will improve the performance of municipalities. But it is the problem is it is one-sided. It is, it is only focusing on the administrative component within municipalities. It is not focusing on the council, of which is, is the issue that brings us here today. A big part of this is numbers. And I, there's a reason I do this and I don't work with numbers. But um, one of the problems is that you need people who can read financial statements. And that requires more than a matric. That requires, I suppose, a BCom or something like that. I would imagine there are very few councillors as a percentage across the country with that kind of qualification. No, definitely. I mean, there's there's a few councillors. Um, I recall there is some point Salga had been doing uh, a skills and capacity audits within um, the administrators and as well within councillors. But again, we also need to look at this from uh, a wider view whereby we see the South African entire landscape. For example, uh, there's a report that was released and it showed that 81% of South African learners are unable to read for meaning by mm. grade 4. So now, if we take that into context, it also explains some of the challenges that we are facing now within our local government sphere, whereby we have a high number of white councillors that are not as educated. And at the same time, again, we must also understand that majority of these white councillors are not necessarily chosen on merits, but it is based on political systems that exist. Uh, I suppose to put it another way, if we've known for a very long time that between a third and half our children don't finish matric, as those children get older, some of them are going to become councillors. No, definitely. Again, so the problem is we've mainly been focusing on the symptoms and there haven't been any responses to such. So we can focus on the quality of education that we are providing as a country. Are we necessarily at a stage whereby we can say we are providing one of the best education landscapes so that we know that the children that we are teaching today are going to become future leaders? And this, again, as you mentioned, has impacted on the caliber of white councillors that we have today. I asked on Twitter last week if there should be a qualification threshold. In other words, should you, for example, if you want to be a councillor, have to have a matric, as an example? Quite a few people replied yes. I mean, I imagine legally and democratically there may be problems with that. But I think some people are going to call for such a thing. No, definitely. I think it's a it's a noble call. Given the current context whereby most of our municipalities are unable to even produce clean audits, I mean, based on the statistics, we understand that only 38 out of the 257 municipalities were able to achieve clean audits. And that, again, is also an issue that is related to financial mismanagement. If you look at the AG report, it shows you that majority of those particular issues are because the council is unable to hold the administrators to account. So in this particular landscape, it's very important to ensure 
ensure that we have ward councillors that have necessary skills and as well as qualifications. And an important point here that has to be made is that if you look at the entire government landscape, the South African government talks about becoming a capable state. Mm. You can't become a capable state if the people at the local government that are in charge of political decisions are not themselves capable of making the right decisions. In order to build a capable state, you need people who are capable. And in order for you to be capable, capable, you also need to have particular skills. You also need to have particular qualifications. And there is something that we often see in some of the leading countries to ensure that you have some of the best people in terms of decision making. There are many elements to all of it. We like a quick fix to South Africa. I think you know that. Let's mm. change the law and it will fix everything. Um, in this case, to change an education system's generational takes a long time. Is there anything we can do in the meantime? I think a threshold might not pass a constitutional court case just for various reasons. But is there, are there anything else? And I mean, one of that would be part of that would obviously be, be about improving the qualifications of the people who are already councillors. Mm. Look, Salga and Colter have done quite a number of interventions in that particular respect, such as capacity building initiatives. But one particular problem that we must also focus on starts at the political landscape, whereby each different political party elects or basically submits someone who's going to represent them. So the issue here is that the bulk starts and stops with political parties. If political parties um, come up and again sign a particular agreement that says we'll only advance the those who have merit, those who have the required qualifications in order for us to improve the standards of living in South Africa, then we could be heading somewhere. Um, do you think that's going to happen? I mean, my sneaking suspicion is that this is just, we're just going to muddle on through this. Not anytime soon, I must definitely say. Uh, I do not foresee it as something that is going to happen anytime soon unless there is a particular change in the consciousness of our political leaders. Because if we do not understand that we are currently in a crisis and the only way out for us in this particular crisis is by ensuring a meritocratic um, recruitment process in terms of ward councillors, in terms of uh, local government officials, mm -hmm. then we will not be able to address all of these issues. I mean, I can further talk to the issue of the skills deficits between your national government and what you see at the local government level. All the best people are always living for provincial and national mm -hmm. government, and then we often leave the local government sphere without the best calibers. And so how do we expect them to perform at the rate that we want them to mm -hmm. perform? The only other option would be to remove some of the powers from councillors, right, and say that uh, uh, professional administrators must manage those and then you put the educational qualification in there. But that would be less than democratic as well. Definitely, it will be less than democratic, but we must also again look at some of the successful examples. I mean, if you go to countries such as your US, their administrators can function without the political leadership. Mm. So they understand that as the bureaucracy, you are in charge of making some of the most important decisions. The role of the councillors is only to ensure that they point you towards a particular direction. Mm. But in the South African landscape, we understand that the council has the supreme powers in terms mm. of deciding where the municipality goes. So in this particular landscape, it is also important for us to also review some of the powers that we are giving to municipal councils. Because in most cases, we are seeing in the era of coalitions that where there is a, a stalemate, most coalitions are even mm. unable to even pass a budget. And that's on its own, hamper service delivery. Professor Isaac Kambulep, thank you. Associate Professor of Political Economy at the Witt School of Governance. Really appreciate you coming in today. My thanks also to Spunisun Gadi from the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. And starting us off today, the President of the South African Local Governments Association, Councillor Berki Stofile.